You're listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Conklin. In most of our episodes, we'll have a guest, a woman who is running on mission right where she's at. We pray this podcast leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news. Friends, we have such a treat today. One of my favorite podcasters, one of my favorite authors, Emily Freeman, is on the show today. Hey, thank you so much for taking time to join us. I know this is a crazy season. you got a lot going on. <laughs> Just a few things. Just a few things. Just a few things. So I am the biggest fan of the Next Right Thing podcast. And oh. I love to listen to it. I love your voice. I love how soothing it is. I would actually even say I'm not a person who struggles with decision fatigue. But tell us a little bit about how the podcast came to be and how it's kind of led into this book, this message of decision making, all of it. First of all, could you teach us a class on how to not struggle with decision fatigue? <laughs> I mean, I, I meet every now and then I'll meet someone like one in every 10 podcast listener will tell me I listen to your podcast, but I don't really struggle making decisions. You know, like that's not a hard thing for me. And so kudos to you. I think that's so fantastic. And I would guess that if you're someone who just you, the general you, not just you, Jess, but <laughs> if you're someone who doesn't struggle with decision fatigue or making decisions, I would guess you probably have some pretty good habits in place in your life that you can sort of lean back on when times get stressful. So that's one of the things that I think has been really helpful for me to alleviate some of that decision fatigue is to have some of those dependable habits or rhythms of life. But as far as how the podcast got started and now the book, it's one of those things that is a great example. You know, sometimes when you write a book, the way it comes about is that it's very meta. So really it's, it, it was not in the plan. I started grad school two years ago and that was the plan or a year and a half ago was to do that and to not write any books during this year. But lo and behold, here we go. 567 days ago, I launched my first episode of the next right thing podcast, but it came as the result of just me honestly carrying that decision of whether or not I wanted to attend school. And you know, you think, think you're doing one thing, but then underneath the surface, there's other things happening. And so while on the surface, I was carrying this decision of whether or not I wanted to go to grad school beneath the surface, I was paying attention to how much power that decision actually had in my life. I found myself distracted in conversation. I was leaning forward in sermons to try to hear hints or clues as to what I might do next. Just sort of sometimes I would lose sleep at night. You know, honestly, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that's what happened because I do think that unmade decisions hold a lot of power. And I found that to be true. So while I was making that decision about school or not, and you can apply that to anything. I mean, I'm sure people listening can think of a million things they've carried or are carrying now that are distracting. They can be really distracting for better or worse. You know, I think it can lead us in good ways and it can lead us astray. But I also was paying attention to how I was paying attention and the power that this decision had. And I thought, wow, God really he could have made it so that everything was planned out for us so that we never had choices to make. But there's something about having to put myself in a posture of listening and learning that was really transformative for me. And I realized, wow, decision-making and choice is a great tool, a great pathway for our own spiritual formation. Mm, that's so good. It's interesting. I want to pause right there and even go back and say, in case you're like me and you think like, huh, I don't, I don't think I really struggle with making decisions. I would like to say the reason why I think I didn't identify with struggling to make decisions is because I'm kind of 
impetuous. <laughs> I think it's because I'm not a really good decision maker. I think I just, I make them too quickly. So yes. that is part of what I love so much about listening, even, even from a different perspective of someone who was like, let me pause here. It's so encouraging. So you may not wrestle with like, oh, I don't, I don't do that. I don't listen to sermons and think like, what should I do? What should I do next? And maybe you should. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it would help. Maybe it would be good if you pause for a quick second. Um, right, just for a hot minute. Yeah, but okay. So talk a little bit about in general, like what was the decision you made? Because you did go back to school, right? I did. Yeah, I did. I chose to go. And it honestly came down to me letting go of my obsession with making the right decision. I know that I talk about doing the next right thing, but to me that there is a distinction between doing the next right thing and making the right decision because the next right thing, it's really just the next thing. The, The magic is in the word next, but I do think that our friend Jesus really just wants to go on the adventure with us. And Oftentimes, if, if we're not talking something morally wrong, oftentimes I think more than we realize, I think he's saying, you do what you want and I'll go with you. So as I prayed and talked and had conversations and got the green light from my family and all the things, I decided to go ahead. And I like to say I went forward to school because it's rather than going back around and getting something I missed the first time, which I mean, that, there's an argument for that. In fact, I told someone, an older gentleman who I was talking to, who also went to school as an adult, he said, I went back to school. And I said, well, I like to say I went forward to school because I don't like thinking that I missed something the first time around. And he said, oh, I definitely missed something the first time around. (laughs) So, you know, it depends on your perspective, but going forward to school was the right choice for me at that time. And I use the word right, not because there was a wrong, just because maybe there were several right choices I could have made. And that was one of them. Wow. Yeah. I love this. I love how the idea of decision-making essentially becomes this very spirit-filled unifying thing with God. Yes. (laughs) Walking with him, listening to him and listening to him in your thoughts, in your desires. It's really beautiful. It's lovely. And, and spoiler alert, the decision is rarely the point. The point is connection with God and me becoming someone who I am most deeply created to be that I may not have had access to had I not had to make a choice. Yeah. Goodness. That's beautiful. Okay. I'm going to ask a question I didn't prep you for. So, okay, I'm ready. We can totally not answer it, but this is a personal curiosity I have regarding you, your life, your career, and something I've noticed Now, I've maybe even said on this podcast before that when I moved into writing, publishing, I looked a lot at your career. I looked a lot at what you were doing, and I was so blessed by it and so encouraged by it. I I wanted to take similar steps, and I'm so spurred on and encouraged by where you're at right now, and it seems that your pace has slowed a little bit. Is that real? Does that feel real? Like At least as far as like publishing online, you're doing a lot. You're doing good, beautiful things, but from over here, you look very grounded and settled and rooted in the most beautiful way. Has the pace changed or has it quickened? What does it look like? Well, first of all, thank you. That is humbling to hear that. What a gift. Second of all, I think your perception is right. My first book came out in 2011 and that was a two book contract. 
And so as soon as I turn that one in to be edited, I started working on my next one, which is a newbie mistake. I think every first time <laughs> author learns that one the hard way. Yeah. And I turned in a manuscript on the day my first book came out. I would not advise that, which is one reason why That's we created really, really, really fast. Yeah. Like who was I getting advice from? I don't know, buddy. Jeff, that's why. Yeah. And that's one reason why we created hope writers, which is a membership site for writers yeah. is because it's the community I wish I had had yeah. when I first started out. And so, so what you saw, if you were watching at all or paying attention is that I had a book come out 2011, 2012, 2013, 2015. So once a year for three years, I released a book. That means I was writing those books also in that period of time. And then I had one year in between A Million Little Ways and Simply Tuesday, like an extra year than usual. So that was 13, between 13 and 15. And after 2015, I was real tired. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an interesting thing because so much of what I write about is creating space for the soul to breathe so that you can discern your next right thing in love. And recently I've added on a line from David Fitch's book, which is called Faithful Presence. That is, as we live together in Christ's kingdom and bring the world along, which talk about mission, mm. that's the arrow that I want my life to head in is creating space, helping you discern your next right thing as we live together in Christ's kingdom and bring the world along. And I've realized that though I am writing about that, there is a certain sacrifice, I think, for those of us who are creating content and offering it, not a unique sacrifice in that people who aren't doing that don't have to make a sacrifice. But I think the color of ours often is that we have to learn how to live the words we're talking about in super authentic ways. Yeah. And I've been learning for me, the choice to go to school, for example, one of the reasons why it was difficult, quite honestly, and I don't know that I've said this openly necessarily, but I'll say it now, is because I realized I felt like that meant I was going to be putting my work on hold mm. and my ministry and my writing. That has not been what's happened <laughs> the last year and a half, but that's what I was prepared to have happen. And in some ways it has happened. In some ways I have slowed in that, but I think this is a period of deepening that I've entered into in the past four years because now Simply Tuesday came out in 2015. This one will come out 2019. You know, that's four years there that I really needed. Yeah. Not that I wasn't working in that time, but I think I've just learned that there's a lot of beautiful things that can happen in that white space between the outer work of sharing the work that you've made. I don't use the word self-promotion. I know that a lot of authors have this like, oh, well, I just don't like to self-promote. So therefore, I, it's like, well, who likes to self-promote? No, don't do that. Nobody right. likes that. Right. That's not what we're doing. <laughs> you know, we are, we are making work. And, and then we're walking into a room. We're saying here, I made something it's for you. That's what we're saying. But there is still the, there's two movements to that. There's the making of it. And then there's the sharing of it. And those first several years of my work, I was doing both at the same time a lot. And I've discovered that's when a lot of fatigue sets in is when I'm having to both make and share at the same time. It's two different headspaces, two different postures. It takes different spiritual work for me personally. And so I've learned the importance of giving a little bit more space between those two to the extent that I'm able. That's good. A follow up to that. This is humbling and honest. As you're detailing how that's felt for you, I'm someone who released a book in 2016 and 2017 in 2018 <laughs> and I have a book coming out in 2019 and yes. in 2020. Yes. And I am in the thick of holding, okay, that was not wise. 
Mm-hmm. And God is meeting me in it and counseling is helping and I'm learning from it. But what I think a lot of our listeners, even if it's not publishing, will relate to is this sense that they've bit off more than they can chew. Yes. And what would you say to them in the thick of that, of, of a season where they can't quite put down yet what they've picked up, but they yeah. want that deeper soul rest What wisdom would you give them that you've found in this hustle mission season of yours? You know, what you just said, I've bit off more than I can chew, like almost like that uh uh-oh feeling. I get that every other day of my life. Mm. And so even though it has been four years since my last book release, there's still a lot of other things going on. And so like you, like, I think I can relate to that feeling. And I know a lot of listeners can relate to that feeling of, Oh, okay. Okay. There is an end in sight, but we got to get there. It's almost like when your kids were tiny and people would be like, Oh, the days are long, but the years are short. It's like, yeah, but the days are real long and (laughs) we got to live through them. You know, like that's great hope for later, but what about now? And so I think when it comes to that feeling, first of all, admitting it is huge. If you try to pretend like I mean, I love how you said, I I realized that maybe wasn't wise. I think there's great power in admitting that and confessing that even if it's not quote unquote sin, you know, maybe it was just, you did the best you could at the time, the best from what you knew. And then maybe in reflection, you look back and you realize, you know, now that I have more information, I might've chose differently. And the more information might just be your life experience. It might not have been something you could have researched on the internet and gotten an answer. But I think that's the first step is admitting that having people in your life who understand that and then being relentlessly kind to yourself. There's nothing worse than being overscheduled and being a mean critic standing in your own head, pointing a finger. It's like, yeah, we've already admitted that we've, we, we know, but now we're moving forward. And I do think thirdly, and not to get too meta in the conversation, as far as what we're talking about here, but the next right thing mindset has saved my life because I have had to put literal practices into place during this really busy full season that are next right thing in nature. For example, I've talked about this some, but creating theme days for my work because I have so many different, um, and you do too. I know a lot of people listening probably have, you know, you've got different areas. I've got the podcast, I've got school, I've got family, I've got, you know, hope writers and I've got book stuff and they're, they're similar and they overlap a little bit, but for the most part, they take really different energies, different creativities, and I can't create one thing and share it in all places. It's really unique content. So I've discovered that I have had to literally create theme days during the week for my work. So that not, not because on Mondays, I'm going to finish everything having to do with the podcast, but it's that on Mondays, I'm going to focus. It's about focus, not about completion. And so what that does for me next right thing speaking is on Mondays, I'm not concerned about school because I know Wednesday is coming and Wednesday is when I'm going to really be focusing on, on that. So I can give myself all into the podcast on Mondays because I've already created, I've already made the decision ahead of time that Wednesdays is for that. So I'm doing my next right thing today, which is podcast work or whatever you decide for it to be. That has been so powerful for me. And I actually think I'm able to get more done by doing less in one area at a time. Yeah. To be totally transparent, what you're talking about, the batching days, I, mm-hmm. I absolutely do. And I only do because I heard you talk about it. Hey, is it working? It's physically saving my life. Yes. It's See, saving your life. Physically it is. saving my life. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this podcast and you've listened to it before, you know that when, when people come on, I don't always typically like gush about the work that they do, but 
The next right thing is meeting me in a way that I can barely describe right now. And, I, and I've told Emily before, I mean, I, I'll message her on Instagram and be like, thank you. I guess it's so good because I feel it. And when I got an early copy of the book in the mail, something physically in me felt better. I thought, oh. I just cannot wait to sit down with a cup of coffee and devour this. And so I say that to safer women who are like, you know, I don't, I don't have any decisions to make. I'm in, a, I'm in a season where I can't even, I don't even feel like I can make a decision. I have to just mm-hmm. keep going the way that I'm going. You do, you have wise decisions you get to make every day. And this book and this podcast may be exactly what you need, because that's what I would say. I would have said before, like, I don't have decisions to make and I don't have a yes. hard time making decisions. I just have to roll with the punches and do this life and get through it. And this message has really brought a lot of freedom and clarity. And I'm so thankful for that. I am so thankful for that too. And you know, the thing about anytime you write books or do a thing, it's like, there's a certain thing that gets you in the door. And for this book, it's decision-making for a lot of people. That is the pain point. That is the sticking point. But in the bigger picture, it really is about designing our lives in such a way and having a mindset that helps us move through our lives in a way where we remember the kind presence of our friend, Jesus, who's with us, no matter what we choose. And as my friend, James, Brian Smith says that we are ones in whom Christ dwells and delights, and we live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. He often also says that the kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I. And that has saved my life. Wow, wow, wow. That's beautiful. I love that. All right, Emily, tell us one tool. Do you have just one tool or one thought? You've already talked about batching your work days, which is huge. But is there one tool or anything that God's given you in this season of caring a lot and of holding a lot and of being obedient to what he's asked you to do that's helped that you want to share? You know, the first thing that came to my mind, so that's what I'm going to share, is not a tool but a person. And that is my assistant, Tracy. I think we forget that we don't have to do everything alone. And I am one who definitely fears collaboration sometimes. Like I have this thing in me. I have this weird thing that I always have to battle against some ways. That's like, it's fiercely independent Mm -hmm. and wanting to do all the things by myself and figure it out having a person, whether that's just a friend or someone that you, you know, maybe a family member or somebody who's in it with you. And of course there's other people too, but she's the one who came to mind that like, I'm just so grateful for the people who believe in what I'm doing and and want to help. And it's a challenge to take them up on it sometimes, honestly, but that's something I'm learning. It's been so valuable for my work. I love that. That's so good. That's so good. Just ask for help, whether it's your laundry or your business (laughs) or your ministry or your calling, whatever it is, just ask for help because someone will be so blessed to be there and will feel honored to help you and you'll go further. That's so good. Hey friends, we're going to break right here for a second. And I wanted to share something quickly with you. A theme for me this year, I sense God taking me back to Psalm 18 and this idea that he has brought me out to a spacious place. And I want to live under the belief that he's brought me out to a spacious place. One thing I love about our partnership with West Rock Coffee is that they want to provide a spacious place for their coffee growers. They want them to feel encouraged. They want them to feel equipped. They want them to be given the tools they need to live abundantly and also to do their jobs unto the glory of God and change the world while they're at it. 
Westaurant Coffee believes in people and not just the drive to survive, but to live with dignity and to achieve greatness and to experience abundance right where they are. You've heard me talk about Westrock, how I love how they partner with individual farmers and what they're doing in the world, but I just wanted to put that on the table today that I think part of living a spacious life for me, part of living a life where I believe God can move and can do things and can grow and can shift me is partnering with companies where I see the leaders of those companies doing the same thing and not just for themselves, but for their employees and for their customers as well. That's why I love Westrock because they are about abundance. They are about providing great opportunities and they are down to change the world one cup of coffee at a time. You can get Westrock coffee on my favorite place, amazon.com. Emily, thank you so much. When does the book come out and where can people get it? The book comes out April 2nd. And if you, well, I don't know when this will come out, but if you pre-order the book, we have all these fun bonuses that are available. The audiobook we're giving away for free, which yes. thank you, Christian Audio, for that. Yes. Also, I created an entire online course called Discern and Decide, all about helping you create a, a rhythm of life that will support soulful decision-making. And it comes with a 35-page workbook. And I am so obsessed with worksheets and filling them out. And this is like has so many questions about your own life and your own schedule and your own rhythm to help you design that. And we're giving that course away for completely free for anybody who pre-orders the book. So just have to go to nextrightthingbook.com and you can find out all the info about all of that fun stuff. Amazing, amazing, amazing. This will come out a few weeks before the book launches. Perfect. So absolutely, y'all go get those pre-orders. What a gift. I cannot wait to get the audiobook. I'm so excited. Yes. Because you know what people love a ton about you, I think you know, is your voice. You know, when I was a kid, I used to wish I was a singer. Uh, and I, I am not, but I, in some like little secret ways, I don't know if I've admitted this much, but I have been really grateful that the Lord has allowed me to use my voice in a way that people enjoy. It's not singing, but I never would have known like, oh, you can use your voice speaking and, and it can be meaningful for people. So I'm really grateful for that. We may be on the absolute opposite ends of the spectrum. As far as voices, I know <laughs> that my gift in my voice is, um, my capacity to yell and my power and, um, <laughs> not my calming presence. And I have genuinely had people ask to return my audiobook because it, they said it stressed them out. <laughs> so what, what your voice does in the calming, my voice does in the riling and the, and the spurring and the poking and they're both gifts we need but both in the kingdom I, of god we need both but i know that that is partially why your podcast is my favorite because my own inner voice is never going to be as sweet and soothing as yours and i'm thankful for for the <laughs> dose of calm that i get when i listen to your podcast thank you so much for all you're doing thank you for all your sharing for just humbly opening up this incredible tool that's serving you to everyone else. I'm really grateful. Thank you. It's world changing. Thank you, Emily. Mm -hmm.